people. Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here, here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact their world for Christ. So here's what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe that there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. At the, five, the uh, fifth and final joy extinguisher, we call it the spirit of what? Heaviness. We understood from the word of God that God does not want his people to mourn. Say that with me. Say it one more time. Now say it, make it personal. Say, God doesn't want me to mourn. We read Isaiah 61, verses 1 to verse 3, and we saw all the conditions that were introduced into humanity by Adam's transgression, brokenheartedness, captivity, you know, blind, and all that, that there was a restorative or redemptive action to restore man, to give man beauty for ashes. Is that not so? The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for what? For the spirit of heaviness. Heaviness incorporates everything. Ashes, mourning, and I, and I started by introducing to you that the spirit of heaviness, are you with me? First of all is what? A spirit. Everybody says a spirit. So it is a spirit, and you are a spirit. I am a spirit. One thing you need to understand is that because we are spirit beings, we can hear spirits. We can sense them. We can sense them. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The, the real part of man is a spirit being. You are a spirit being. You have a physical body, which I can see. Everybody tap your body. Say, this is my body. This is not me. It is my house. For you to function and exist on earth, you need a body. This body is what was provided by your father and your mother in copulation. Do you understand that? Your, your father brings the seed. Your mother produces the egg. When it fuses together, it creates a body. That's the way God designed it. And in that body, the spirit comes from God. Are you hearing me? Hebrew 12 says God is the father of what? Spirit. So they, they are not the one that made you. They just made your earth suit. For you to enter. Is that clear? That's what you create. So the spirit enters the body. And you were born and you know you grew. But there's also a part of you that is also spiritual. It's called your soul. Say I have a soul. Say that one more time. Your soul is your mind, your will and what? Your emotion. Your mind is the ability to think. Your will is the ability to choose. And your emotion is the ability to what? To feel. That's part of you. Now when Adam sinned, his spirit died. The nature of God was alienated from his spirit. He became dead to sin, became awake to sin and dead to life. And as a result of that death that came into his spirit, his soul and his body became corrupted. What is the corruption? The corruption of shifting from the maker as our source to something else, to the devil, to the system of the world. Like I said, man was configured to begin to function by his senses and what the things that he saw, the things that he felt, the things that he heard, rather than what God said. Because the temptation was about shifting base from God. God says, don't. Satan says, God is lying. 
Are you following me? So when Adam, uh, Eve subscribed to that mindset, man's emotion fell, man's reasoning fell, man's will fell. So the choices of man fell. Am I making any sense? Man stopped depending on the spirit and man started depending on the external. We were wired to depend on God. Say that with me. See, you were wired. You came from God. You, so the only one who can satisfy you and keep you joyful is him because you came from him. You are not from here. Your body is from the earth, but you are not from here. Did you hear what I said? The Bible says we are his offspring. So the only one who can complete us, the only one who can content us or satisfy us is God. Say amen. Come on, say good amen. amen. All right. So the enemy understands that uh, when we get born again, we receive the nature of God. And one of the nature of God we receive when we got born again is joy. Come on, say, I have joy. I have joy. Oh, praise God Almighty. Joy, 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 joy. Somebody say joy, joy, joy. joy. And we said joy, it's a divine lubricant. It keeps the goodness of God flowing in the life of the one that allows it to flow out of him. Joy is in your spirit when you got born again. But joy wants to re-educate. The Holy Ghost wants to renew your mind so your mind can cooperate with the joy of God in your spirit. And that's where Satan came with his own target. He now designed a spirit and assigned it as a spirit of heaviness. Are you with me? And I said there are two things you need to understand about the spirit of heaviness. Number one, it is a spirit. Say it's a spirit. You are not just thinking something by mistake. All right? And we said that heaviness is a satanic psychology. Is that not so? A reasoning, a satanic twisted way of thinking that convinces you that you don't need to be joyful. It's a satanic way of thinking that convinces you to accept discouragement or distress as an alternative. To see worry as normal. And I told you that to worry is to function outside design. You know, if you're sitting on the chair and you're sleeping, you know you will fall. Is that not true? Because the chair is not your bed. Is that not true? You, you know, the chair is not for bed. So if you're, you're going to sleep on the chair, it will come with some, some side effect. You will have some pains in your body and the final risk is that you can collapse on the ground because it's not your bed. The chair is not for bed. It's for you to sit up. But if you try to convert it to a bed, some awkward thing starts happening to you. All right? So that, that's the same thing. God did not, say with me, say God didn't create me to mourn. Say it again. I want you to hear it. You know, suppose the Christianity is not all rosy, rosy. They are challenged. Listen, listen. Challenges does not mean the absence of joy. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said challenges does not mean what? The Bible said Jesus took his suffering with joy. You didn't hear what I said. He took his suffering with what? Because joy has nothing to do with external things. In fact, the Jewish Christian in the book of Hebrew 10, when they got born again and they were illuminated and understood the revelation of joy, even when they started persecuting them and destroying that thing, the Bible said they were rejoicing. Can, can you imagine? Let me tell you something about church history. There was a time, I think it was Nero's, uh, when they were executing Christians, and there was this particular guy that was supervising the execution. He noticed that as they were killing them, they were smiling. One of the soldiers, after killing some up to a point, he now told the yoga, he said, I want to follow, I want to die too. He said, what's wrong with you? He said, I don't understand this. That usually when we kill people, they are frightened. But this one, they are not frightened. It's as if they know where they are going. They were pushing them off from 
tall uh, cliffs, mountains, so they smash and die. But as they were doing, they were smiling because they understood something that they, they, they didn't understand. Hallelujah. You know, the Paul says there were people who refused deliverance because they seek a better resurrection. Is that not so? That means God could have delivered them, but they said, Look, let me come. Come and say, Joy, 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 joy. Shout and say, Joy, 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 joy. So Satan designed an emotional instability to affect and corrupt the mind of man. It's captured in one word called sorrow. And sorrow is the agenda of the spirit of heaviness. His job is to introduce sorrow because another word for sorrow is the word discouragement. Everybody say discouragement. Discouragement or distress. He wants you discouraged. And the only way to get you discouraged is to warp the way you think. To look at situation, circumstance from a point of view that will always introduce discouragement into your heart. Because Satan is after one thing. Everybody say one thing. It's not, it's not your job. Come on. He's a spirit. He can't, can't walk in your office. It's not your money. He can't withdraw your money. Have you seen Satan to the, in the bank before? Say, hi, my name is Satan. How are you doing? No. He doesn't go to the bank. He doesn't spend cash. He's a spirit. What the devil is interested in man is spiritual. Many of you don't know that. Why he wants your mind is because your mind is spiritual. And whoever controls your mind controls your life. That's why he wants to, he wants to influence the way you think. But he understands that there's this thing called joy that you have in your spirit. That if he allows that joy to influence the way you think, then he becomes helpless in your life. Do you understand that? So what does he do? In to intercept the flow of joy from your spirit and your mind by introducing heaviness into your mind. And when discouragement comes, it comes with depression. The word heavy means to depress. So discouragement depresses. That's why when you worry, you feel heavy. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you feel down. It's as if there's a weight. I mean, if you know what I mean. It's as if there's a weight on you. It's like you're kind so much weight. That, that, that's a sign that you're yielding to the spirit of heaviness. And like I told you, the, the, the spirit of heaviness is after your joy. Everybody say my joy. You know why it's after your joy? The Bible says you can only draw water uh, well from the well of salvation by joy. Is that not so? The spirit of heaviness, if I can stop the flow of your joy, ay, 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 ay. if I can stop your celebration, if I can get you to stop rejoicing, if I can get you to stop shouting, because I told you joy, when it hits your joy, the expression of your joy, shouting, singing, dancing, all those are joy expression. We're going to look at that later. He, he shuts them down. And, and when you moan, you don't sing. Do you, have you seen people, if I thought they sing, My deliverance of Babylon, where we sat down, and there we wept, <laughs> where we remember Zion. We don't sing like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, we say, oh, grave, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your power? Hallelujah. It's victory song. Someone shout victory song. If it is not good and perfect, it can't come from God. Stop welcoming it. What did I say? Stop welcoming it. In my house, you don't frown. If you try, I'll just, I'll descend on you. Because I want you to open any door for Satan inside the house. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Whatever the issue, it must be solved. Don't carry a heavy face. Don't do that. It's because once you do that, the spirit of heaviness comes for you. And guess what it does? He begins to engineer more reasons why you should remain like that. 
Then before you realize it again, you just go, you want to read your Bible, you can't read your Bible because you're upset. You're upset. Anything that has to do with God, you don't want to listen because why? You're upset. Why? And it's something that has to do with food. Everybody say food. Just food. Down. It starts spoiling everything. You now start making permanent decisions from temporary situations. And that's what the spirit of heaven does. Now, l- let me show you something that, that will help us as we begin to explore from scripture what the spirit of heaven, how deadly it is. You know, in Isaiah 61, verse 3, go there. There are two things I said that reveals the picture of God's portrait, the portrait picture of God in our heart, in God's heart for you and I. It's called the, the portrait of joy. Everybody say the portrait of joy. Say the portrait of joy. This is how you look when you are joyful. <laughs> Somebody say glory. glory. Are you still with me? I said this is how you look when you are what? Say this again. Say it three times. Say it is not God's will for me. It is not God's will for me. To mourn. Say it again. 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 Say it one more time. It is not God's will for for me to mourn. Where's Michael? It is not God. Say that. Say it's not God's will for me to mourn. All right. Isaiah 61. Are you there? Go to verse 3. What did he say? To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Watch this. Watch it. You notice after heaviness, he mentioned something. Look at it. What did he say next? That they might be called. So what is the goal of heaviness? To stop you from... Hello? Do you understand that? Now, now watch this. We said the joyful life is a glorified life. Is that not true? The joyful life is what? The reason why God wants us joyful is that when we are joyful, he's glorified in our lives. Is that not true? Come on, talk to me. Is that not so? Because it says, like, look at the end. He said that they might be called the tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So to be joyful means, brothers and sisters, when you are joyful, you are called the plantings of God and the tree of what? Did, did you see that? The trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord. So once I am joyful, that is what I display. And when you display that, you become, you become a threat to Satan. Did you hear what I said? You become what? You become a threat to Satan. Now, what does it mean to be called? So you, I, I need to explain that so you know how deadly the spirit of heaviness is if you give it place. What does it mean to be called the trees of righteousness? Write this statement down first of all. I want you to get this. The Christ life is a joyful life. Write that down. The Christ life is a joyful life. The goal of the Christ life is to glorify Christ in the believer. 
You were not saved to be an object of shame. You were saved to be an object of honor. Say honor. honor. Say it. Say honor. honor. Say I'm born again to bring honor to God. Say I'm born again to bring honor to God. Hallelujah. Now, hear this. This is very powerful. The joyful life is a life of strength. What did I say? When you are joyful, you are strong. When you are worried, you are weak. What did I say? When you are joyful, you are strong. But when you are worried, you are what? You are weak. That's why when you are always bothered, complaining, murmuring, spiritually you become weak. Why? Because your soul comes under submission to the spirit of heaviness. You deny your life the opportunity to experience and command the strength of God in your matters and your affairs. You become weak to make strong decisions. You become weak to experience God's goodness and manifestations in your life. You become weak. When God says, meet me in point A, because you're weak, you'll meet him in point Z. Are you hearing me? The Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is what? Is our strength. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, let's take these two statements. The trees of righteousness. Now, the believers are referred to, this is a picture of a joy. When God looks at the joy, like this is what he sees. Trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord. Say Amen. Say amen, everyone. Amen. Tree, everybody say, trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. See, the believers, those, that two statements referring to the believer, the character of the believer that is demonstrating and living the joyful life. Now, the believers are referred to as the trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord. This is a joyful picture of the believer. When you operate in joy you are referred to as the trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord. Now, write this down. Let's pick the first word, trees of righteousness. When the Bible refers to you as the tree of righteousness, it simply means you function with righteousness as your strength. What did I say? Say that one more time. Say, I function with righteousness as my strength. When it says tree of righteousness, it simply means that you are a man. Jesus says, I am divine. Is that not true? We are who? We are the branches. Is that not true? So, when he says tree of righteousness, that means we are extensions of the righteousness of God. That's who we are. And when he calls you tree of righteousness, it means you are functioning from the source. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, the Bible talks about fruits of righteousness. The fruits of righteousness comes from the tree of righteousness. Is that not so? Are you still with me? So when he calls us trees of righteousness, it means we are functioning as righteousness, with righteousness as our strength. Say with me, say my strength is in righteousness. Say that two times more. You know one of the reasons some of us don't function in joy is because we don't understand what righteousness means. Hallelujah. Okay, what does righteousness mean? Right is that. I'll give you a very summarized meaning of righteousness. There are two things that explains the word righteousness. You must understand this so you can, you can take your advantage over the devil back. What did I say? You can do what? Take your advantage over the devil 
back. If there is anything Satan is afraid, is when believers function as trees of righteousness. He becomes afraid of them because he knows that his manipulation is over, over them. Did you hear what I said? Do you know the temptation to worry is to stop you from functioning as trees of righteousness? Because he knows that if righteousness is your strength, then he's helpless against you. Two words that explain righteousness. Write this down. Righteousness means two things. Number one, nature. And number two, standing. What did I say? Nature and what? Standing. Say nature and standing. Now, let me explain them. Through salvation, when we got born again, we now have the same nature as Jesus. Whoa. Whoa. We now have what? Tell your neighbor, say you have the same nature as Christ. You are not excited. If I say you're an American now, you'll be very happy. You say I'm American. American. But I say you have the same nature as Christ. I don't think you get it. It does not sound. Let me help you. Go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, everybody, quickly. Righteousness means same nature and same standing. So when it says you are the tree of righteousness, it means you have the same nature as Jesus Christ. What does nature mean? Nature means the same class and the same kind. I pray the Holy Ghost will take every veil from our minds and hearts and we will receive this. Say, I have the same nature as Christ. First John 4 and verse 17. Are you there? You will understand why the spirit of heaviness is fighting you. You think it's fighting you because of your job. Oh, I am frustrated. I'm unhappy. Why? Because I lost my job. Hey! Everybody say, hey! Shout and say, hey! Who has lied to you? Who told you it was about your job? It wasn't about your job. It was about your joy. The animal understood that you've attached your joy to your job. That's why it touched the job. One of the ways to keep your good is not to be attached to anything. What did I say? Satan will not bother if he knows your heart is not inside. If your heart is inside, it becomes his point of interest. If you make your family your idol, Satan comes for that. Do you understand that? Because he understands you've attached a value to it that can affect your joy. So he hits it. But when your attachment is on Jesus, he becomes confused. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are some of you, your account balance is your problem. We just 2,350 naira, 25 kubo. You will call the 25 kubo out. Say, now, wow, this bank, they don't collect their own. Even if this one said they even collect 15 naira inside. Yeah, which kind of life with this one? Have? You know what you're doing? Unknown to you, the spirit of heaviness is baiting you. It's baiting you and introducing some kind of thinking inside you to, for you to say that your entire life, your future, what you're going to become depends on 2,230 naira, 25 kobo. And for that moment, you buy the lie and you become depressed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then the spirit of air sits on you. Then all the goodness package heaven has designed for you that day that will hit you the moment you leave your house and, you go to, and you're going on the street, all the calls that should come, all the arrangement of favor that you're supposed to speak, 
your, the spirit of heaviness has caused you to go out of alignment. You are now moving around with murmuring and complaining, being grumpy. I will show you later why God said we shouldn't worry. I'll tell you why. It's not because of him. It's because of what he does to us. Do you understand me? Did you hear what I said? When God says don't worry, it's not because of him. It's okay. The reason God says don't worry, it's because of the damage it does to us. Alright, First John 4, 7, what does it say? Hearing is our love made bold. Everybody say bold. That word bold means complete, perfect, or bold. It says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know, the problem with some of you is that on the last day of judgment, you have a wrong picture of the judgment. You have a fear image. No, no, no. The judgment of the sinners is different from the judgment of the believers. Do you understand that? Yeah, there's the judgment seat of Christ, which God will judge believers, but it's different. But God says, I'm going to do something in you through my son that will not only affect you in this life, but that day when you stand before him, when he judges you, you are going to be bold. Say amen. amen. Why did he say that? He said, in the day of because, watch this, as he is, as Christ is now, seated at the right hand of the Father, so are we when we get to heaven. Answer me now. Where? That means as Christ is, so are we. Why is that so? Tell your neighbor, say righteousness. Because righteousness is the nature of God. And the day you got born again, you received the same nature as Christ. That's why it calls you heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we say functioning with righteousness as your strength, it means number one, the same nature that Christ has is the same nature that you possess. The second meaning of the word righteousness, write this down, is the same thing as standing. Everybody say standing. Standing, standing represents two things. Status, actually three, status, access, and approval. If, for instance, they want to hold a meeting in Asorok and they say R-O-S-V-P, what does that mean? Only reserved for those that are invited. Is that not so? Eh? Then if you are given an R-O-S-V-P in form of the IV card, because now they're doing everything, um, what do you call it now? Electronic. Is that not so? So if you have it, your name will be there. If you are going to Asorok, and you have that. Will you be worried about entering Asso Rock? No, you won't. Why? Because you have access. Is that not true? Is that not true? Very good. Let's assume your father is the president of this country. And you want to see your father. Do you need to feel firm to see your father? Why? Because he's your father. You have a relationship. You have a standing as a son. Is that not so? Even when the, what do you call those people that stay around them? The private something, something. Uh, there's one name they call them. Those, you see? Whatever. <laughs> if, even when he says, Afana, how are you there? Is that not so? They won't bother you because they know you have standing as a son. You have access as a son. You have approval as a son. Anybody when one lose your work, now I go say, make you not see your papa. Is that not so? We're going to just say, mommy, yes. Uh, this man, when he stands for daddy, though, he said, we cannot see daddy. Who be, who be that? Is he uh, Johnson? 
Tell us they don't suck by today. Tell us they don't suck by today. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, no, but because if you are a son, everybody will treat you with the same respect as they give to what? Your father. Why? Because your father is the president of the country. And that office comes with a lot of, uh, you know, privileges, perks, and all that. So anybody, even if they don't like you, they have to treat you with respect and with favor. Is that not so? Because they are looking for how to pinch something. Now, let me say this. When you got born again, the same standing that Jesus has with the Father, that's the one you have. You didn't hear what I said. Oh no, let me shock you where some of you don't get it. That word standing also means status. The same power that Jesus wills and commands is the same that you have. No, you don't get it. The same way Satan is afraid of Jesus is the same way he's afraid of you. No, you didn't know that. Righteousness gives you status, standing. You command the same influence. So, because many of us, our problem is, it's like the Jewish people. In the Old Testament, righteousness was based on keeping the law. I didn't get into some of the technicalities of that. And principally, when you heard the Bible talks about the law, the Old Covenant was divided into two things. Everybody say, let me say the law. The law refers to the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and what? Deuteronomy. The law is made up of principally the Ten Commandments and all the other ordinances that were given to them. They are all listed in those books. But the Old Covenant is not only made up of the law, it's also made up of the prophets. So Jesus referred to the Old Covenant as the law and what? The prophets. The prophet refers from the book of Judges to the book of Malachi. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what the Old Covenant is all about. Now, the basis of the operation of the Old Covenant was in keeping the dictates of the law. If you keep the law, there's a blessing that goes. If you break the law, there is a curse that comes on you. But God knew man couldn't keep it perfectly, so he created a backup system known as the priesthood. The priesthood was to prepare, prepare, uh, you know, prefer a temporal covering for sin known as atonement means covering. Atonement for sin using the blood of animals. So when people sinned and they were going for, you know, offering for sin, they would slaughter an animal which was a symbol and a type of the blood of Jesus that would be slaughtered later and when they killed the animal they would, you know, just mark their, they say, yeah, your sins are forgiven. No, not forgiven, it's covered. <laughs> Till you sin, let's go. That's what was going on. And so God wasn't satisfied with that. You know why? Because the law was not sinful in itself, but the law was trying to walk through men who are sinful. And so they couldn't keep the law. And God didn't want that. So God made a, covenant, a promise, I'm going to create a new covenant, and this time I'll put the law inside of them. Are you hearing me? Uh, he said, nobody will tell them, know the Lord. He said, for all shall know me. All shall. Why? Because he's going to come in, he's going to live inside us. In the Old Testament, God lived in ark that were surrendered by veils known as holy of holies. And you, were, you had to be authorized to come close to God or else you die. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the only person that could do that was the high priest that could come into the very presence of God once a year for the sake of providing atonement for the sins of man. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said the veil 
tore into two. And God left the ark. He abandoned that system and created a new system through Christ where God now lives inside of you and me. Say a good amen. amen. So when the Bible says you are a tree of righteousness, it means you are functioning as righteousness as your strength. And righteousness as your strength simply means Christ is your strength. For I can do all things through Christ that word strengthens me. So the basis and the foundation of a joyful life is Christ who is our righteousness. And as our righteousness, we share in the same nature and standing with him. See, I hear you. So when you're rejoicing, you know what God sees? He sees you exactly as he sees Christ. When you're dancing. And, and, and do you know how God sees Christ? Let me give you two expo. Matthew 3, 17. And a voice spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The word pleased means I am I am satisfied. Hallelujah. Oh, there is this contentment that the Father feels every time he beholds Christ. No error. No mistake. Hallelujah. It, it doesn't look at you and remember, remember one, one mistake. No. There's this joy. Then look at another thing he said in Philippians 2 9. Wherefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every other name. And in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Do you know you share in that? If God exalted Christ, you are also exalted in his eyes. See, the reason why God is always happy about you because he knows how he made you and he knows how he sees you. And the way God sees you, hey, he cannot help but be joyful. Then not the one that he sees and is happy, you now start seeing yourself with another thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You now start seeing yourself through account balance. Everybody say account balance. Account balance. Account balance now is now your joy. You now start seeing yourself through senior boys and senior girls. You now start seeing yourself through the kind of house that you live in. You now start seeing yourself through the kind of job that you have. You now start seeing yourself through um, the kind of class or social class that you have. All these things are deceptions and corruptions of the spirit of heaviness. They will never produce joy in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Most of all those friends that you are killing yourself for, they don't even like you. You just can't see it. The one you're wasting time and energy to go and please, they don't like you. At your back, if you hear what they say about you, it will shock you. It takes God to love a man without fault. Do you understand what I mean by that? It takes God for someone to rejoice at your progress. Do you understand that? And the one person that is always happy for you, that is always excited for you, that is always joyful for you, is Jesus. That should be the foundation of your joy. Am I making any sense? Go to three people and tell them, Jesus is the center of your joy. Say that. Leave your seat. Go to three people. Say, Jesus is the center of your joy. Leave your seat. Hallelujah. Say I have the same nature as Christ. Say I have the same standing as Christ. Do you know why demons are afraid of you? They are not afraid of you because of your height. They are not afraid of you because of your statue. They are not afraid of you because you shout when you pray. 
your volume, your voice volume has nothing to do with scaring demons. The only reason they are afraid of you is because of righteousness. They on, when they see you, they see you exactly as the way they see Jesus. You know, demons were terrified of Christ. How many of you know that? You remember? It will come into a place and the demon will just scream. will start shouting. Don't, don't torment us. You know they use that word. Torment us not before the time. So Jesus was a demon tormentor. Is that not so? Huh? Only his presence alone, the demons will start screaming. That's the same nature you command and carry. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Learn, listen. May this word renew your mind today. And Mary redefine the basis of joy for your life. I just see some of you come up for church. Just go. Just be seen. Just because you've not gotten a job yet. Uh, everything pastor is true, shall not true. But you know this walked in, eh? This walked in. The spirit of heaviness has finished you. He has convinced you otherwise. You will come to your shop in the morning. You just, I made only two says yesterday. Then the heaviness spirit will not come. See, you see, nothing is happening. Say not true. Then somebody will come and say, Afana, say a day. You know, they will draw the day a day. What did happen? Say, I just tire. The spirit of heaviness is sitting on the shoulder of that believer and is speaking to your mind. He will tell you to, and you know one thing, when you begin to speak like that, you are cursing yourself and cursing your situation. You're speaking death to yourself. The devil wants you to speak your circumstance and speak your situation, but God wants you to speak your position. Amen. Say a good amen. amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Say, I have access. I have, I have approval. I have the same nature as Christ. So since God is well pleased with Christ, he is well pleased with you. What kind of amen is that one? <laughs> hey, there's work to be done. He is well pleased with you because of righteousness. Your effort and your performance is not what impresses him. It's the nature of his son in you that impresses him. And once you begin to understand that, that nature will begin to change the way you behave. It will begin to redefine your performance and your effort. Your, your works will not be initiated from a consciousness of righteousness. Not a consciousness of trying to deserve God's favor and deserve God's attention. Because that's the way some of you pray. The way you pray, you pray that you are trying to convince God through your prayer. And, and, and you know, God, you know, I don't wake up. At 12 o'clock, I wake up yesterday. Show you, remember. I, I suppose sleep, but I not sleep. And I do it because of you. You are doing it as if because you woke up 12 o'clock, God should answer you. You want to manipulate him. You want to call him by your nose. Go and sleep, my friend. You can't manipulate God. Say, God, no, sir, no, sir. Say, seven days, I never sleep. I say, yeah, seven days. And I pray from 12 to 3. See my eyes, now they red. Even when I go office, and I know they feel they see where. They will sack you. Better sleep where. If you think all those things you are doing is what is going to impress God, you are, let me inform you now, you are wasting your time. You can, Bible says God cannot be mocked. You see, can I say this? The expectations of God are very clear. It's not, he, does, he didn't hide it from us. What makes you acceptable is the righteousness of his son. 2 Corinthians 5 to 9 says, He that knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made, who? The righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness means I have the same nature and I the same standing with Christ. He has, do you know when Jesus, God said to, about Jesus in Matthew 3, 17, this is my beloved son in whom I will please. How many of you know that Jesus has not started this ministry at that time? He had not healed one sick. He had not casted one devil. 
You have not done anything. Yet God says, you are pleased with you. you know what God was telling him? I did not accept you for what you are doing though. I accept you for who you are to me. The day you get that, your life will be free from struggle. Stop trying to impress God. You can't. The Bible says our own engineered righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. You can't please him. The righteousness we have is not based on what we could do. What can you even do? If we could have done something, Jesus would not have come. See, I hear you. We have been made the righteousness of God. That is why we are called heirs of God. The word heirs means possessors of God. We are inheritors of God. We are partakers of his divine nature. Say good amen. You remember during the convention we said, why did God save man? Very simple, because he loved us. Is that not true? Why, were we, why, why did he save us? Because he did what? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. He said, God who is rich in mercy, with the great love wherewith he has loved us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the reason for salvation is love. So don't, don't mix the thing. Don't spoil it. Don't bring anything from you that makes you think you can deserve salvation. So by the time I combine three dry fasting, I can mix them with uh, one dry, then one all night, seven. Uh, God no go rest. Excuse me, he's resting. Prayer doesn't change him, he changes us. Do you understand that? Fasting doesn't change him. He said, I am the Lord, I change it not. Do you understand that? You, you see the selfishness of such religiosity. It's a spirit of religion. The spirit of, that you will not do it because of one need. The moment you get the need, you will not do it again. Is that not so? You will not stay like that. Oh, you think God is as unstable as you? No. No. Come and say no. Come and say no. Come and say no. Glory to God. When we receive Christ, we were given the power, the ability to become the sons of God. John 1, 12. But as many as received them, to them he gave what? Power! Somebody shout power! power. The Greek word for that power is authority or ability or right to become the sons of God. Say I have a right as a son of God. See, what, see the angels respect you. You know why they respect you? Because of righteousness. When the demons look at you, they, they do like this. But you see, where the problem starts is when we now start speaking against our nature. It's like the son of a king does not know that he's the son of a king. He starts talking like a beggar. Then the demon says, blessed this one, don't know himself. They see Christ in you, but they see the devil in your mouth. Are you hearing me? Tell the neighbor, say, speak according to your nature. Say, speak as sons of God. Are you hearing me? The power or right to become a child of God is righteousness. That power to be called the sons of God is what? It's what's called righteousness. Righteousness gives you right to be called a son of God. He makes you just exactly as Christ. That's why salvation is by grace, not by works. Are you hearing me? Please, the reason he saved you is not because of you. It's because of his love for you. Are you hearing me? So if you think there's anything you can do to deserve God, the devil has lied to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Righteousness is the nature and standing of Christ. Say, I hear you. Through righteousness, we are now partakers of Christ's nature. Write that down. Caladosia. Righteousness gives us right to the nature of Christ. You know what nature means? It means characters and attributes. Christ has joy. Brother, I have joy too. Hallelujah. 
Christ is the Prince of Peace. Brother, I have peace too. Say amen. Are you hearing me? I share in his nature. I share in the nature of Christ. Say that. Say I share in the nature of Christ. Yeah. Righteousness gives me, makes me partaker of the nature of Christ. It also gives me rights. Access to the rights that Christ commands. <laughs> I share in his position. Say amen. Yeah, I share in the same position with Christ. I also share in his privilege. The privilege that Christ enjoys, I share in it. Why? Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. God cannot treat me different from the way he treats Christ. John 17, 23 says, Jesus said, I pray, Father, that we may be one, so that they may know that you have loved me as you, you've loved them even as you have loved me. That, that was like, whoa! That means... The love that God has for Christ is the same love that he has for me. That becomes the foundation for true power and authority. Say amen. amen. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And finally, we are, righteousness makes us partaker of his power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Please hear me. God has delegated his power to you. He said, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpent and what? Scorpion. God's power has been so made available to you without restriction that one of the prayer points of Paul in Ephesians 1 verse 19 is so that you may know the exceeding greatness of his power that has been made available to you who believe. We've not known that yet. We've not commanded the power as we should because we are ignorant of the standing that we have and the right that we have to that power. You forget that as awesome and limitless as God's power is, he has made it available to his children. God is not holding anything back from us. Why? Because we are his righteousness in Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The second portrait of a joyful life is that the Bible refers to us as the planting of the Lord. Go to Isaiah chapter 60 verse 21, everybody. We're going to round up. You are not just, remember we said to function by righteousness is to function by what? Strength. And that strength is Christ. Why is his strength? Because we are partakers of his nature and his standing. Is that not so? That's the strength of righteousness. The strength of righteousness is we are partakers of his nature and of his standing. Say a good amen. amen. Isaiah 60 verse 21. Are you there? I, I pray you get this. When you understand this, the oppression is gone. You will know that there's no, God has already done what you are trying to ask him to do. Once you understand righteousness, it changes the way you look at yourself. Changes completely the way. You stop looking at yourself as a beggar. You, start you stop judging because if any man being Christ is a new creation, you're not from Abriba anymore. You're not from Ikwere. You're not from Akwaibon. You are not from Christ. If any man be in Christ is a new. Why is he new? Because he has become the righteousness of God. Your ancestry has shifted position from your nativity to your divinity. Say amen. amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is what the devil understands better than some believers. That means whatever was haunting your generational line has no authority over your life anymore. If he can't take Jesus, then he can't take you down. Do you understand that? That's what righteousness means. What can stop Christ can't stop you because as he is. Hallelujah. Isaiah 60 verse 21. Say, I am also the planting of the Lord. If you understand this one, ay, 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 ay. say, I am the planting of the Lord. Tell your, life, tell your neighbor, say, God is the one that planted me, not you. You know, the Bible says anything that the Lord has not planted shall be removed. Is that not so? 
I am planted by God. Say, I am the planting of God. The moment you are born again, you become the planting of the Lord. God is the one that planted you. Let me show you what that means. Isaiah 60 verse 21. Are you there? He said, thy people shall, shall be, thy people also shall be all righteous. Come on, say we are the righteousness of God. If somebody come and ask you, are you righteous, what will you say? Yes. You will say, will say, yes, I am righteous. Say that. Because righteousness got nothing to do with you. It's a gift we received from Christ. Do you understand that? Don't try to judge righteousness by your sense of performance. If you do that, that means you don't understand righteousness. Righteousness is based on the nature and the standing of Christ, not your performance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Satan will play you. You will go to some places where they will try to define righteousness by the kind of clothes you wear. Say you are a gay. Why are you wearing trousers? Are you, are you sure you are born again? Righteousness has nothing to do with fashion. It's a spiritual force. Are you listening to what I'm saying? When you understand that righteousness produces a lifestyle called holiness. Holiness is an offshoot of righteousness. Are you hearing me? That's what it is. Holiness is the lifestyle of righteousness. You begin to conduct yourself as one who is a son of God. Am I making any sense? Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. Say amen to that. Amen. The branch of my planting. That's what God calls you and I. The branch of my planting. What does that tell you? When God says you are my planting, number one, are you paying attention? Are you listening to me? Because some of you are not writing. When he says you are the branch of my planting, he's saying that I am your source. I am the one who planted you. Tell your neighbor, say, Satan didn't plant you. So he cannot uproot you. Say that. Say, the devil did not plant me. So he cannot uproot you. Say, sickness didn't plant me. So he cannot uproot me. Say, disease did not plant me. So he cannot uproot me. Say, poverty did not plant me. So he cannot uproot me. Say, the devil did not plant me. So he cannot uproot me. I am the planting of the Lord. Look at what he calls you. He says, you are the work of my hand. And I did that because I want to be glorified in your life. We are the planting of the Lord, the work of his hands, that he may be glorified in what? In our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The term planting of the Lord means that we are the work of God's hand. We are a product of the work of God. Say amen. Say we are a product of the work of God. Let me read this scripture, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. It says we are laborers together. Do you understand what that means? The word laborers means workers. We are laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry. 1 Corinthians 3 9. The word husbandry is a farmland where they cultivate, breed crops and animals. It's a big establishment. God is saying that you are my project. Say amen. Do you understand what that means? Are you listening to me? And can I tell you something? I'd rather be God's project, praise God, and thank God we are. When you are God's project, which you are, I'm not saying you are going to be, you are God's planting. And by God's planting, you are God's husbandry. Husbandry means you are God's farmland. You are God's investment. Are you hearing me? You are the plantings of God. There are things God has planted inside you. And he's waiting to harvest them. 
You are, not, you are God's building. So no man built you. God is the one that built you. Stop looking to men to build you because you're, you are God's, you're God's building. Tell the neighbor, I'm going to manifest very soon. Say, because I'm God's husbandry and I'm God's building. So when God looks at life, he's building his glory in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I say he's building his glory in your life. I said he's building his glory in your life. I said he's building his glory in your life. Let me show you one of the things God is building in your life. Go to Jude 1 verse 24. Jude 1 verse 24. Kalakeko bregesose kalakiladaba. I want you to get this. Jude 1 24. I hope you are getting this. This is very important. Jude 1 and verse 24. Are you there? It says, Now unto him, that's God, hallelujah, that is able to keep you from what? Who is able to keep you from yourself? Who is able to do that? That's one of the projects he's doing in your life as his husbandry and his building. God is building into you and making sure that part of what is building into you is able to keep you from falling to the situation and the circumstances of your times. Are you hearing me? From falling to temptation because part of his building is to make sure that there is a way of escape for every temptation that you, want, that you go through. Say amen. amen. Alright, from falling and to present you. Say I'm God's project. To present you from what? To present you faultless before the presence of his glory. <laughs> with exceeding joy. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. If you are following me, you will get this thing. Ah, listen to this. Let me explain it this way. We were designed and built by God to live the joyful life. That's what he's saying. Because the joyful life keeps you from falling, it presents you faultless because you identify completely with your divine root, not your situation. What makes you faulty before the devil is when you deny your joyful root and you identify with your condition and your circumstance and your situations by the things you say and the kind of thoughts you entertain. When you do that, you become faulty. That's why when you complain and you murmur, you become faulty. And once you become faulty, Satan has a ground to attack you because you cannot say like Jesus, the prince of this world cometh and he has nothing in me. The only time you can say that is when you stick to your joyful root. Are you listening to me? And make up your mind, say, this is my heritage. My root is joy. And I choose joy. Glory to God. In spite of whatever comes against me, I'm going to praise God anyhow. Say amen. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be thankful. That's why, have you noticed, whenever you go through difficult things, one of the things that the, end, the spirit of heaviness shoots at you is to get you to withdraw. Have you noticed that? You don't want to talk. Leave me, I mean, leave me, leave me. They call you, don't want to answer phone, you don't want to, you don't want to pray, you don't want to come to church, you don't want to see anybody. You just want to withdraw as if withdrawal will solve the problem. As you withdraw, they feed you with so many lies. You become detached from God. Listen to me. Anything that disconnects you from your joy will make you faulty. And trust me, it will make you fall. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is when you realize that you are the tree of righteousness and you are the planting of the Lord that God built and designed you to live and function in the joyful life. Someone say amen. amen. The only way to stop this joyful portrait from the believer, from manifesting through the believer, the portrait of the plantings of the Lord and the trees of righteousness, 
is through the spirit of heaviness. That's what the heaviness is after. When it, when it stops your joy, it's stopping you from manifesting your blessed status. What did I say? When it affects your joy, it stops you from manifesting your blessed status. You deny your joyful root and you attach yourself to your situational circumstance that has no joy. And you begin to blame everybody except yourself. Blame Nigeria. Useless country. Foolish abroad. Foolish person. Hey, blah, blah, blah. The man will soon leave. How many years does he have? It's not two years. And I tell Nigeria, they will always have another. Ex. Whoever will sit there will become the next problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you think it's a party problem, don't let, don't let politicians deceive you. Because the one that were in this one is the one that is in the other one. Is that not so? And the one that is in the other one is the one that is in this one. So it's the same thing. Don't let anybody fool you. Somebody says politicians only have permanent interest, no permanent position. So they don't have permanent party. They only have permanent interest. So you cannot base your joy on men. Or who is, in the, or the, who is the president of a country. You can't do that. You will never be happy. Because men are as inconsistent as the devil. You can't even base your joy on your effort. Your effort will wear you out like Martha. You'll be tired, yawning, and confused. But when you base your joy on your root, brothers and sisters, the oil of joy will never stop flowing in your life. Goodness will never stop supervising your life. In the midst of lack, you'll be thriving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In the midst of confusion, you will have light. In the midst of others falling, you will rise. You will say, when men are cast down, we will say, there is a lifting up. Why? Because I don't dwell where men are. I'm not rooted in men. I'm rooted in him. Are you hearing me? And you don't give the spirit of heaviness. Let me say one thing about the spirit of heaviness, and I'm going to stop. Listen to this. This is very bad. <laughs> the spirit of heaviness seeks to prevent us from praising or rejoicing in the Lord. His goal is to attack it by giving us, to prevent us from seeing the need to celebrate every day. Rejoicing or praising God is expressing the joyful life, the glorified life. That is why the spirit of heaviness seeks to redefine the faithfulness of God in the life of his victim by attempting to use information from his senses and situation. Are you hearing me? The spirit of heaviness is a demonic spirit with intelligence and presence. I told you it's a spirit. A demonic one. With, with the demonic psychology of heaviness. It's a spirit, a demonic spirit with intelligence and presence that seeks to infect the soul of men with sorrow in order to block the joy flow or rejoicing in their life. The spirit of heaviness weighs on his victim by seeking to introduce discouragement into their soul. Wants them to become discouraged. To be discouraged is to lose one's confidence or excitement. To become dispirited. To lose hope. To despair. Heaviness will always produce depression or discouragement. The target of heaviness is the soul of man, which is the mind, will, and the emotion. He wants to become the way you think, he wants to become the way you choose, and he wants to become the way you feel. The enemy wants the way we think, feel, and choose to be influenced by sorrow. Our born-again spirit cannot be depressed because it's in union with Christ. Do you understand that? 
your spirit man cannot be depressed. Our born again spirit cannot be depressed because it's in union with Christ. But when our soul is depressed, it cannot cooperate with the flow of joy from our human spirit. That's why there's a crisis inside us. When your mind, you allow depression to take over your mind, your mind will rebel against your spirit. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Your behavior will be behaving contrary to the nature of your spirit that has joy. That's why the Bible says, I wish above all things you prosper and be in health, even as what? Tell your neighbor, say, set your soul free. Say that. Say that. Say, set your mind free. Set your will free. Set your, your emotion free. Whenever we are tempted to be depressed or discouraged, we must be mindful of the fact that it is not about the issue. It's not about the situation. Never about the circumstance. Not about what people did to you. Not about that your friend that betrayed you. It's never about them. Whenever you're tempted, those are just the camouflage that Satan throws at you. The real goal of the spirit of heaviness is to block the joy flow in your soul. So you come to church, you're dancing. You're being like this. Somebody that dance now. I believe me, that's your own. You just shut down. And the spirit of heaviness will just be laughing. And as you shut down, all the goodness and mercy that should follow you will just be strolling past you and you'll not be able to see anything. Watch this. Watch this. Remember, we only draw from the well of salvation with what? With joy. God does not want us to give in to the spirit of heaviness or depression because of the effect it has in our soul. Say, I hear you. Rise up on your feet. Amen. You know one of the reasons God doesn't want us to worry? It's not because of him. Worry doesn't bother God. That's why I told you, cast all your cares upon me. The reason he doesn't want you to worry is because of the damage he can do to you. Do you know through worries people can be sick? Do you know that? Yeah, through worries people can be diseased. Through worries people can contemplate suicide. God doesn't want you to worry. Say, cast all your cares upon Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.